Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I am so excited today to have with me as my guest, Chris Doris. Welcome, Chris. Oh, Meredith, thank you so much. I've been very looking forward to this. I love the title of your podcast. Well, thank you. And my listeners will find out why as they get to to know you. Let me give a little bit of background about you, and then we're going to jump right into our conversation because I have so many questions for you. Chris Doris is in the business of success coaching. He helps people close the gap between where they are now and where they would ideally like to be. And his focus is on helping people develop mental toughness. I love that phrase because it's different. Your definition of it is unique compared to what some people might initially think. And Chris has worked with a wide range of people from some of the world's greatest athletes to billionaires, business executives and entrepreneurs. And now he's even coaching other coaches to help them build thriving practices. So I know my listeners, many of whom are consultants, coaches and service professionals are going to really benefit from this. I want to explain how I met Chris because this is how networks work. I was on Facebook one day and our mutual friend Melissa Ford had posted a quote from Chris. And I don't even remember now what it was, Chris, but it resonated with me. So of course, I immediately went and checked out your website and found out you did this quote, a daily dose. So I signed up for that. I saw that you had a podcast and I thought, let me check that out. I signed up for that. And it's now one of my very favorite podcasts. It's called Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. And you just do a fabulous job interviewing people and you bring on such wonderful guests. So I want to highly recommend people check that out. And Chris has been coached by two of my favorite people, uh, coaches both having the name of Steve, Steve Chandler and Steve Hardison. And uh, yes, I've interviewed Steve Chandler for my podcast, and I just love both of them so much. And I know that you have shared so much of what you've learned from them and just the way you live now. And the other thing about Chris, he's the author of two books, getting ready to have a third one coming out soon. And the first one is a compilation of his daily doses. And that's a wonderful book. Do you have that one to hold up? Excellent. And then his other one is Creating Your Dream, Confidently Stepping Into Your Own Brilliance, which I love because I think people underestimate their brilliance. So with all of that said, let's jump into my first question, which is tell us a little bit about how you came to do the work you do today with others. Yeah, that's a fun question. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful introduction as well. And before I forget, I also want to say thank you for your incredible support. You're, you're like as good as anybody that I've ever met in terms of selflessly promoting other people. And, I, and, you, and you did it just as recently as yesterday. You posted something else. You shared something. And I, I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, that's, that's beautiful of you. And I really appreciate that. 
And I like your, your, your belief system behind that, which is purely service driven. So props to you and thank you. <clears throat> so the reason that's a fun question for me is because it's, um, it's, it's maybe delete the word. Maybe it is one of, if not the most, um, the thing in life that I'm most proud of, which is having made the courageous decision from college and stayed with it, which was to simply follow or as, as um, Oh God, I'm spacing on his name. Follow your bliss. Drew, Joseph Campbell, mm -hmm. that's one of his phrases, follow your bliss. So I followed my bliss. I followed my passion. I struggled financially for a very long time because of the weird money beliefs that I had. Um, uh, but I stayed with it. I stayed. I stayed. I never wandered ever from uh, my passion, which is simply to serve humans, to help people upgrade the way that they experience life. And it's, of course, it's evolved, the passion. Uh, my answer to what are you passionate about when I was 22 would be tremendously different in some ways than my response now, but in another way, it's identical, which is simply to serve, to stay in service and to, 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 to be able to feel the reward and, the, and, the, and the, the, the beauty of being in service to people, helping people uh, experience less of the unnecessary settling, struggling, and suffering. So it's evolved. It may start as a social worker. I was a social worker working on the streets of Atlantic City with homeless people and drug addicts making $17,500 a year. A year. That was <laughs> my starting salary. My buddies were coming out of college. I came out of college with like $60,000 of student loan debt. And they're all going to, to, you know, to work for these big pharmaceutical companies on Wall Street and going to take trips to Australia. And, hey, come on, Chris, we're going to Australia. I'm like, yeah, we'll have fun. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> then it evolved into, you know, I just kept, you know, responding. Like, uh, I, I broke my leg. And that's relevant to my career evolution because I played basketball one night. And I ended up having, like, a really, really severe injury, a severe injury. That gave me a fatty embolism and pneumonia. I was on ice blanket in Princeton Medical Center for eight days. You know, they were going to give me a tracheotomy. It was a, it was a serious infection that came from bone break and changed my life because I stopped playing hoops, started playing golf, discovered how mental the game of golf was, how mental I was playing the game of golf. is probably the more <laughs> ownership way of saying it. <laughs> and decided to marry my passion for psychology and serving people by studying the mind and understanding human potential with my passion for sports. And that led me out to Arizona and then it, it evolved from there, working with golfers who then were business people and then that led to the corporate world and, and all this stuff that's going on right now that I would never ever would have been able to predict when I was in my early 20s, but that I'm so psyched is true for me. Well, what all I love, love about what you just said is you've always known really the underlying Thing that you wanted to do it's just the form that it took changed over time and I think that that's important for people that may feel like I've got to identify my purpose uh, because you can have passion of, of something that you know you're really good at and yet it can take so many different forms and to be open to that let's talk a little bit about your definition of mental toughness so that my listeners understand what what you mean by that and how do you help clients that you work with in that area yeah so uh buddha said the mind is the forerunner of all things buddha also i'm a big fan of buddha i've got all these different buddha statues all over my house all the different kinds of buddhas and uh buddha also said that uh, your entire life unfolds according to the way that you think 
And I would venture to guess, <clears throat> Meredith, that 99.9% um, .9 of people that are watching or listening to this have not had any formal training on how to become uh, thought warriors, on, on the specifics of how to really strengthen the way that you think. So if it's true, if Buddha is correct, and I believe that Buddha was correct, that our lives unfold according to the way that we think, if we haven't had our whole lives, our entire lives unfold according to the way that we think, then we have some pretty good incentive to become amazing thinkers, but we haven't had the training. Mm. So throughout, over the course of my career, I've discovered that. <clears throat> and I realized, wow, this is so crazy because I went to graduate school. I have a graduate degree in psychology and I never had a class in sixth grade all the way through graduate school in psychology that taught me the practical nature, like the techniques, the practices, like the how-to of strengthening the way that you fill, the content with which you fill your mind, how to become an amazing thinker, how to become an emotional master, and therefore how to more effortlessly create excellence. So, so there's many ways that I could define mental toughness, but a simple way is, is uh, saying, um, just, you know, I'm the physical, I am the psychological equivalent of a physical trainer. So it's, like, you know, give you, so it's like strengthening this muscle, mm -hmm. right? With exercises that we do every day, all day, every day, because you can't overtrain mentally. You can't get hurt, <laughs> right? And your life is your gym. So teaching people techniques to strengthen the way that you use your mind with the intended outcome, again, of uh, freeing yourself up from the conditioning of your past that would have you unnecessarily settle, struggle, and suffer. And therefore, instead of that, to be able to create create excellence and to create your desires with virtual effortless ease because that's what the definition of the zone is right i've worked with so many athletes and the zone is the peak performance state which is why i love the title of this podcast and uh and what's what i find so fascinating and so wonderful uh with respect to human peak performance is that when when people are in the zone they feel great like nobody has ever described the peak performance as a struggle ever Ever, it doesn't happen. Not, not like true peak performances. And not only is it not a struggle, people often use, very often use words to describe, like after say a, a slalom skier in the Olympics just has a gold medal run and, and they just crush set a world record. And afterwards in the interview, they're like, wow, what were you thinking? And they say, I wasn't thinking, it was just happening. And it felt, to be honest with you, a lot of times what they say is it actually felt easy training wasn't easy the <laughs> training was not easy mm -hmm. but by virtue of all the effort put into creating that high level that high degree of mastery all the work all that effort has then enabled them to be able to go break world records with effortless ease that's fabulous well, that's so great because as i'm listening to you describe that of course i'm thinking What's an example of something that someone could do on the mental toughness side that would be the equivalent? Because I mean, when I think about these elite athletes and the practice and repetition they do in order to get to that point where it's almost unconscious, how does some give me an example of a, of a habit maybe that tends to get in the way of somebody or limiting thought? In fact, let's take money because money is an issue for so many people. They carry things with them. So I remember in one of your podcasts, you were talking mm. about how you used to say you couldn't afford something. 
Mm. And people say that all the time. Oh, we really can't afford that. So no. what caused you to switch from saying, I can't afford this, to now you never say it anymore? And as part of that, I want to hear about that story of Steve Hardison's mm. calling you. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that was a game changer for sure. God, there's like 75 different places I could start with that. Money, we have um, all been conditioned to possess uh, really limiting beliefs about money. Money is a big, big construct that the vast majority of us, the vast majority of us have, um, have been taught really extremely limiting beliefs about that that we didn't know we were even being taught and if you're if you're open to it i'd like to do a little exercise right now with with your audience if, if we can sure, on that. do but, it so what i'd like for and please participate <clears throat> everyone to do right now is just think of a number that corresponds to the most money that you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance in one year's time now i'm going to repeat that question i'm going to repeat it exactly the way i just said it Think of a number that corresponds to the most money that you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance in a year's time. Now, I can't ask your audience, but I can ask you, what's your number? For, for my personal income or for the business? So that's great. Because <laughs> I kind of went two different directions there. So, let me just, I'm going to, okay, I love that you said that. So I, this is my answer. What's the most money? that you can imagine getting a hold of under any <laughs> circumstance in a year's time? 10 million. Okay, great. Now, can you, uh, have you ever played a lottery ever? I I've lottery probably bought two tickets in my life. There you have, so there has been that experience and the, and, and the chances are that the lottery, if you'd won it, was worth more than that. So anyway, um, can you double your number? Can you, can you go to 20 million and still imagine that? Yes. You can. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now when I, when I am giving a talk and there can be hundreds of people in the room and I, and I use this at the very, very beginning of the talk to illustrate an incredible phenomenon that we'll get to in a second in answer to your question. Uh, you shouldn't be able to double that number. You shouldn't be able to add anything because the question was, what's the most? Not, it wasn't like, what's the most money you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance in a year's time divided by two? Meredith, <laughs> <laughs> I assure you that almost every person who's listening to this is having the same exact experience. So you are speaking for them because, because none of us are exempt from the conditioning that we've had on money. Now, here's the phenomenon. This is what I want people to be interested in. This is a fun and lighthearted exercise with a phenomenally important point. Isn't it interesting that almost, I would say 99% of adults when asked this question have the same exact experience that you just had, which is to come up with some number, and it doesn't matter what the number is, and the number is so irrelevant. But then I say, can, I, can you double? Like it'd be a room of 200 people, just did it in Vegas. And uh, asked, can everybody, can anybody here not double that? And every, no one raised their hand, so it means everyone could, which means I say, isn't it interesting that none of you answered the question? And what happened was all of you unconsciously translated the question from what I said three times verbatim 
to something else. So you change, you unconsciously, because of the conditioning of your past, about weirdness on money and how hard it is to get money and how scarce money is and all that and how only like certain people have access to lots of it and all this nonsense, that every person in the room, and most of them are all like pretty wealthy still, you know, like super successful salespeople, right? But still have money weirdness. They translated the question from one that was about imagination. Because I said, what's the most you can imagine? And that, that's where the clarification question that you asked personally or through, you know, it's like, yeah, so you're getting off, you're going off. And that's, that's automatic. That's automatic because you learned that. You went off into the how, which we'll get back to in a second. And that's what everybody does. You translated from a question from imagination to your estimate of possibility based on all the stuff you've learned. Mm -hmm. So I want us all to slow down for a second here and just acknowledge that phenomenon because that is the phenomenon of the conditioning of our past running us, governing us, which is why it's so important to me to do this work so we can free ourselves to examine our language, to examine our beliefs, mm -hmm. to pay attention to the sentences. You already heard me once on this call, just say, no, delete that word because I didn't like it. it was a minimizer. I'm doing that all day long because I'm watching my language to see, do I even agree with it? As a one way of many, to examine what's residing in my mind so I can say, I don't know if I even agree with that. I don't know if that's serving me, that belief. So I'll, just one last thing on that, that <clears throat> I was actually doing a, 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 um, an initial coaching session with a coaching prospect one day. And she happened, this woman brought her like four-year-old daughter with her, which I thought was odd, but cool. I guess she just couldn't get a babysitter or something. So the little girl's sitting right here on the floor and uh, you know the, the mom's in, the, in her chair, I'm over there in my coaching chair. And I asked that, we get to that point in the conversation where I throw that question out. Little girl's just coloring, just minding her own business, coloring. Well, maybe not totally minding her own business because I asked the question, right? The same way I always do. What's the most money you can imagine getting a hold of under any circumstance in years time? Little girl, blurts out, all of it. <laughs> it's the only appropriate response. <laughs> Right. So why, so why doesn't that occur? Why isn't that the obvious first? Why don't we just, why don't we all just go all of it? You got any interesting questions, Chris? Like that's stupid. It'd be like me saying, how many of these pens could you imagine removing from this pen holder? If I gave an hour, you're like, it's just weird, but it isn't weird. It's no weirder. It's no less weird than the money question. The money question is no weirder than that one. It's just a simple question, but we have weirdness about money. We don't have, we haven't been conditioned to have limiting beliefs about the level of difficulty of removing pens from a pen holder, right? Like imagine what would have had to happen in your life, Meredith, for me to ask you how many of these writing implements <laughs> did you remove from this cup in an hour? And then your answer, your honest answer would be, like, what would have had to happen to you that your answer would be, how much time, an hour, you give me an hour? Um, well, on a, can I use, how many hands can I, you know, be like, what would have had to have happened is you would have had to have some very powerful conditioning or influence mm -hmm. around your beliefs of the level of difficulty of removing pens from a cup and you have to buy that, like believe them. <clears throat> so, I can't afford it is never true. It's never true, it's never a true statement. It, it, it always translated to something like, I think one of two things, either that's not really important to me. I just don't feel like saying that out loud because it feels weird and uncomfortable maybe, 
like I'm just using the excuse that I can't afford it because I'm I don't have the courage in the moment to say this I don't I don't want your service or something like that. But the more common truth behind uh, the truth translation behind the sentence I can't afford it is I don't believe that I am resourceful enough to create the resource for that. Mm-hmm. Now, what you want to hear the story? I'll give you a condensed version. I'll try the story of the Steve, Steve Hardison. Oh, yeah, it's powerful. It's cha- changed my life. Like I, here I am 10 years later, you're asking about it, right? I still tell the story all the time. So this is Steve Chandler, right? This is Steve Hardison. So I've coached with both of them. They have coached me. Both of them have coached me. And, and he, Steve Chandler signed a, a lifetime contract being coached by Steve Hardison. So when I'm working with this guy, Hardison, the guy with the perfect teeth, <laughs> which is another great story, but for another day. <clears throat> this is like 10 years ago. <clears throat> he calls me, I'm sitting out here on my porch one night, it's like Wednesday night, 9 p.m., just sipping some wine, talking to a great friend who lives back in Manhattan. We talk all the time. And, and it's great because I have like perfect cell reception in my house, and she has perfect cell reception in her apartment. So um, there, there's a reason I'm telling you that. The call drops which is very odd. The call just drops. So I look at my phone and I'm like, well, I have full reception. It must be on her end. So I just wait and she'll call back. She'll have the phone rings, but it's not her. It's Steve Hardison, my coach at 9 PM on a Wednesday. It's very odd. So I decide to answer it. Now that's, there's a, that's an important tidbit of the story, which we will return to like that. The call dropped. It's really fascinating. The space was opened up for the following to happen, okay? So he's all amped up. And he calls me Boatness, that's his nickname for me. It's a long story, but this is like, he calls me Boatness, and this is a product of some of our work. And I call him Admiral, it's a boat thing. (laughs) And he goes, Boatness, and he's like screaming. He's like, not angrily, enthusiastically, amped up. Boatness, are you willing to participate in the creation of a miracle? I'm like, whoa, dude. I got like two glasses of wine in me. I'm like, you're up here. I'm down here, bro. (laughs) But I love his enthusiasm. It's so incredible. So when he gets supercharged, man, he's like a freight train. So I say, hell yeah, come on. And he goes, good. I love that about you. I want you to call so-and-so tomorrow morning because they're putting together a talk, okay, and a very important event that's going to happen in a week or two up in Utah. He is the speaker for it. And they're having a real hard time pulling uh, it together and they need some help. And I thought that this could be a perfect opportunity for you. I want you to call them first thing in the morning. Whatever they ask for, you say yes to. If they ask for 10 Harley Davidsons, you say yes and go figure it out. If you do this, I promise you, you will experience miracles in your life, both personally and professionally. Are you willing to do that, bonus? And this, I mean, this is just, that's like a perfect impersonation. And I said, yeah, man, I was scared. But I, but I said, hell yeah. And he goes, I love that about you. <clears throat> he said, pray to God she asked for something huge. Click. <laughs> That's him. That's how he rolls. And I am simultaneously going, this is amazing. I have goosebumps right now just telling you this. I have goosebumps right now. Because I simultaneously <clears throat> felt incredibly energized and petrified. I think I just spent all my damn money paying for him. <laughs> Homeboy ain't cheap. 
Right. He's not. <laughs> and he shouldn't be. So, uh, so I'm wondering what's, what's going to happen. I'm scared. So the next morning, but I gave my word. And, and, and he is like the teacher of integrity. He is the coach of uh, being your word. So there was, so now, so that's an important point. That's a, that's a, that's central to the story is that I knew in advance, it doesn't matter what this woman's going to ask me for. I'm going to figure out a way to provide it. And I was curious, like, why did he say 15 Harleys? <laughs> why was that? The, was that just a hypothetical, my hypothetical, or does he like have some, or something? And I was already starting to like visualize what kind of conversation I might have with the Harley Davidson store manager down the street here. She never asked for Harley's. I kind of wish she did in retrospect, but so I call her the next morning. I'm in this. And before I call, I get into the, the state, like where I, I alter my state and say, okay, be the most powerful you CD, because whatever you're saying, you are the yes man now. And then you are the delivery man. So I had just this incredible combination, right. Of, of like enthusiasm and, and total anxiety. <clears throat> So she says, can you, oh my God, you're a godsend. I'm like, yeah, just thinking, no, this wasn't my idea. Oh, he also instructed me, he said, don't you dare tell her that I told you to call. So that was important. Uh. So, so I'm just thinking, yeah, this is not, it wasn't my call. <laughs> so don't be giving me too much credit right now. So she says, oh, it's so great. Can you please go to the event, which was going to be in Utah? <clears throat> I had already decided, I knew about the event in advance. I decided I wasn't going because I already saw him, I already saw him talk here in Tempe, Arizona. He was my coach. I already saw him give the talk here at the Fish House in Tempe. So I was going to fly on a football weekend, right? I'm obviously a huge football fan. Not obviously, but I had a huge football fan. And I'm not, I'm not going to miss a game. So to go see a talk already. But she asked, so I'm, yeah, of course I can. <laughs> oh, it'll be so great to have you there. Thank you so much. Okay, the other thing is, is and this feels a little bit awkward to ask for, but um, could you pay for the venue? And I said, yes. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying yes to. It wasn't like, you know, the agreement wasn't like conditionally say yes. So it wasn't like I could say, well, how much is it? No, it was, yeah. She goes, really? Like, yeah. And she goes, well, okay, but I need it like today. Now, now, now I do have, I, I did make an agreement that I wouldn't divulge that amount, but let's just say this, it was more than I had. There's more money than I had. It was the University of Utah football stadium. It wasn't the whole stadium. It was like the, the corporate, it was a huge part of it. They had this amazing room, this ma massive room holds like 800 people with balconies and it was like, you know. Mm. So it was that place. And you look over Salt Lake City, one side is just all glass walls, Salt Lake City, and behind you is a football field. So it's, I mean, it's state of the art and it was not cheap. So I said, yeah, and she goes, oh, it's so great. Can you wire it to me tonight? Yeah. And I don't know how any of this is going to happen. So she, you know, that was all. I was like, I wasn't going, can I get you anything else? <laughs> like, I, can we hang up now? <laughs> so we hang up. And, and this is now here. This is, we'll, we'll tie it all up here. This is the relevant piece is that I was, I, I got into what I refer to now. I, didn't, I couldn't call it this then because I didn't have this language. But I realized in retrospect what I had done by virtue of the challenge he gave me and that I accepted and that my word is ironclad. I got into what's called the all, what I call the all in state, which is infinitely committed. And this is powerful because this is the most powerful state that I know of for humans to get stuff done. 
Because when I'm in the all-in state, and I was in that moment, meaning I'm so all-in on having this happen. There isn't a try. Trying, it's like the Yoda thing. There's no try here. It's only do. <laughs> right? and, and that's real. Okay? It's because the possibility of not getting it done was not on my radar. The possibility of failure, non-existent in my field of consciousness. I was all in. And I ended up sitting in this very chair. And I sat. And I got to thinking from the place of absolute certainty that it's not if, it's how, and let's get it done fast because she needs me to wire her the money this afternoon. And that activates a level of creative genius that is unparalleled and that we all have access to always, but weren't necessarily taught that. So it started with what he taught me, what he tricked me into was making a powerful decision. And without, I don't need to show the details, it's not even really interesting. I just thought of some clients that were about ready, some corporate clients that were ready for a renewal for coaching, annual coaching programs. I incentivized them, it's like, if I can get the money today, then I'll throw in an extra group talk, something like that. It was like, it wasn't even genius, but it worked. I, I seriously, in retrospect, Meredith, I wish I took like maybe 15 minutes more, I would have come up with something even better. But anyway, I ended up spending my own money. Um, but it was beautiful. I got, I got it done. I got it done within hours within like the thinking only took me maybe an hour, but the thinking was so masterful because it came from the knowing state. At, so I went and got the money and sent it off and it was one of the most, and now I know for the rest of my life, I, I can never have money fear. If I ever need, if something happens, like I got sued or something and like all my cash was gone, I, it's not a problem. Like at all. In fact, it's exciting because I know all I have to do is sit in this chair, make a decision, right? And then, and then act immediately, boldly, and masterfully from that, from that all-in state, and I can go create it. And I love doing that. So that's why the sentence, I can't afford it, is never true. It's just a fabulous story with so many lessons there. Thinking about some of my listeners who've been impacted by COVID and they do coaching, consulting, mm -hmm. training, and some of those in-person events got canceled and all of a sudden they, you know, their income they were counting on fell apart. Yeah. So yeah. when people are feeling stressed and I'm sure some of your clients come to you in a place of feeling stressed about money, how do you help them make that transition from that, because I know you can't be creative like you're describing when you're feeling stressed like that. So how do you help them make that shift or whatever you call it to that place where they are able to create and come up with lots of ideas and solutions? Well, I use this story. First of all, I use this story for sure. The story I just shared with you, you know, and first of all, I validate them. I validate, I have to validate their fear because I get it because I grew up with incredible money fear. That's why I said in the very beginning is I struggled financially for so much longer than I would have needed to, but I didn't have the coaching. I didn't, I didn't get this stuff. I was in scarcity mentality, living in it, even though I still had the courage to start my own practice and to muddle through. I muddled longer than I needed to because of the beliefs that were governing me. I was, I was afraid. I felt guilty for asking people to pay me for my service because that was like inconveniencing them. That's how weak my thinking was seriously so <clears throat> so I want to validate their experience because it's legit right um, but what's not legitimate 
is the, the limiting belief that's, that's having them feel anxious in the first place. And Byron Katie says that whenever you're feeling anything unpleasant, it's because in that moment you're believing something that's not true. So if it has to do with money, let's just go figure out what the lie is. And we don't need to psychoanalyze the crap out of it. We don't need to take all that time. Let's just acknowledge that you've got limiting beliefs. And let's like start opening up to the possibility that you are significantly more resourceful than you're giving yourself credit for right now. And let's go test that. All right, and let's brainstorm together, right, on what's, so I take that story and I tell them, and, and by the way, you know, that story inspired my all in, I started like 10 years ago, Christmas Eve, after that event, that event was in late October, October 30th, I believe, uh, 10 years ago, so 2010. And, um, and on Christmas Eve, I created in one take an hour long all in audio program. That's one of the best things I've ever created in my life, it was in the zone. It was inspired by Steve, Steve Harrison and that event. So I call and now it's now I've turned it into a whole robust online you know, digital course. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's completely it changed the way I live and it's changed the way I uh, interact with people. So I take that very seriously. So I use so if somebody comes to me with the money fear, I have them do the course. I have them listen to the audio program. We talk about the stories and then we get back to what is it that you want to create for yourself. Now make a decision. I teach them the six components of all in this, which I'll just cover real quickly here is decide. And that's, that's, that's the rest of them happen, but it's decide the difference between a goal and a decision. Don't try You decide that it's going to happen. And people need to understand the, the, the details, the powerful details of the distinction between a goal and a decision. Simply put it's this, that a goal leaves the door open for the possibility of failure. Whereas the decision does not. A goal is I'm maybe, I hope so, I'm hopeful, you know, whereas a decision, no, this is happening. And, and you can have that be decided without even knowing how it's going to work in advance. Because the how's and the what, we'll get back to that in a second. Mm -hmm. So decide, right, take um, and activate your army, like who's going to support you. Uh, take immediate action, dedicate it to somebody, that's a powerful transformation, is dedicating the experience to someone or something outside of you, create amazing metrics, and then uh, re-decide because the nature of commitment is that it goes away. So I make a decision that I'm going to create something. 15 minutes later, that decision has disintegrated. Need to do it again. No problem. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Decide again as if for the first time. So, the, the, you know, <clears throat> so if I ask somebody that got money for, they want to start their own business or something or their own coaching practice, we'll just say, because I've coached a lot of people on that. And they're worried because they have a stable income and they don't know how to so all this question of how, how, how is it going to work? How am I going to be able to get clients? How am I going to pay the bills? You know, all this, all the how obstacles, right? Which is the number one, the how obstacle is the number one mistake or obstacle that I witness people coming up against and being um, paralyzed by, immobilized by in the process of creating their desires and dreams. It's because they feel like they need to see how and they can't. And you don't. You don't need to see how. Oh, we don't even want to see how. The how is already in the what. Like the what? What do you mean? The what you want. Inherent within your desires are the mechanics for their own fulfillment. Dumb that down. The how's in the what. Let's move in the direction of and activate those mechanics. Okay? And, and enjoy the process of watching them. When I, all I really got to do, and this is, I'm making it sound easier than it is, but it can be this simple, is that if I can train myself to get all in on what it is that I want and I know, like really know what that means and decide that I'm going to create my desire, then the rest takes care of itself. I don't need to worry about anything. Cause, like, Cause then I'm taking immediate, bold and masterful action. The how is just an exciting process that I get to watch unfold. 
I'm going to, I work with a lot of salespeople. I'm going to have a career year. You just were given a, you, we just crushed it last year. You were just given a 30% quota increase. How the hell are you going to do that? I don't know. Get back to me in a year from now and I'll happily share that story with you over a beer. I can't tell you how in advance, but I certainly can't, I can't tell you how, but I can tell you that it's going to happen. How can you know? Because it decided and I will stay in that decision state. I will live in that decision state. I will redeclare that decision a hundred times if I need to per day in order to do what it takes to have it become my reality, to have it become true, to manifest it, to create it. That's powerful living. That is. It, there's so many things that run through my mind as I was just listening to you talk. This, um, and, and I've struggled with this myself in the past, but I've seen other people struggle too. You make that decision, and I know you just described your six steps for all in, but then you start questioning yourself, your ability, your belief that it's possible. So what do you, um, I guess it's the different, the six different elements that you just described yeah, I'm gonna that, send that fortify that commitment and that decision. Yeah, so the the belief, the belief, yeah. I think is a hang up there. The, well, here, the nature of commit, this is a keeper, okay? The nature of commitment is that it goes away. And we need to be cool with that. We need not just be cool, we need to remember that. And also be really cool with it. Because all, all that means, it's not a problem unless I'm not aware of it. And then I think, oh, just because I committed, well, I'm good now. It's good. We're locked in. Nope. You're locked in for maybe 15 minutes. And you need to recommit again. 15 minutes is not an exaggeration either. Yeah. Nature of commitment is very, the shelf life of commitment is extremely brief. Which is why so many you know, marriages struggle unnecessarily because they haven't recommitted again. And I said my vows, well, yeah, that was like 20 years ago, right? When's the last time you recommitted to something? Like with the same degree of intensity, the same degree of all inness as you did on that altar that day. You know? So let's have let's recommit, recommit, decide and go take some action, recommit. I'll send you those six components because I know just we just slammed. Oh, them. that's great. Well, to me, this ties in with this idea of making a quantum leap. Mm. You know, that because mm. I've heard you talk about this too, this a quantum leap to me is you make a, a giant, you know, uh, go from one place to another fast yes. and dramatically. Right. And so how does somebody shorten the time to make that happen? Oh, that's such an interesting. Okay. Okay. What a fun way to, okay. That's such an interesting way to phrase the question. We can't like make corn grow faster, but we could screw it up. We can slow it down. So, right? so I don't think that there's anything that we could do to speed up the natural unfolding of events, but we could, what we could do is stop slowing it down. Ah, okay, okay. good distinction. So, like, so a quantum leap is a real thing. In physics, it's happening in your body right now, or like jillions of them, right? Where electrons are changed, like jumping orbits. They're not traveling, right, around the nucleus of an atom. The electrons are moving from one location in space-time to another, but not traveling the distance in between. That's amazing. It's happening in us now, right? Tons of it. We need to harness that skill set, <laughs> right? So, so like we can, being in the all-in state is one of the most, maybe, maybe 
it is easily one of the most powerful uh, things that we can do to not slow down or interfere with the possibility of a quantum leap in growth, right? Um, so we can, like, by participating with. So obviously we need mastery at our skill set. We need to train ourselves to be masters, like Miles Davis on the trumpet, right? And who knows if somebody else in the band plays an off chord, that's perfect. We're going to create magic from it. It's not a mistake. We're turning the poison into medicine. That's mastery. So you need the skills, but you also need to back up the skills with the knowings. And then you are positioned and poised perfectly for quantum leaps to occur when they need to. Ah, great distinction. That's great. I like that. Yeah, if you want to Google something that's along those lines, Google, just Google the words W-U, next word W-E-I. Chinese principle of Wu Wei is action through non-action or, or flowing with. It's like not, it's the practice of non-interference to be able like to masterfully choose to participate with natural forces so that you are at maximum efficiency. Mm. That's great. Well, I know we're getting close to time. I can't let you go without asking you about your I am statements because I know those you live by those and I think they could be powerful for others to hear about and learn what, what makes that having them so powerful. So one of the things that we, thank you for that beautiful question. I, I this is so fun for me to answer this. I really appreciate that Meredith. So, cause this is easily one of the most powerful things I've ever learned in my life. And I learned it all from, from, the, from these guys, primarily from Steve This is, I, I referenced this a few minutes ago. This is um, a, a portion of my IMs. I have some more to add. It's going to be updated soon. And uh, this exists here on my desk in a sacred spot on the corner. I don't, it never goes away. It also is in my wallet. It is in my, it's on my dashboard of my car. It's on the, uh, my bathroom mirror that I, is in my face every morning. So, and it's on my um, voice notes on my phone. Okay, so what is it? It is a list that I crafted over the course of months right, of statements that are present tense of who I am at my highest. The most amazing version of Chris Doris. And here's a couple of them. I am divine grace. I am, now this is my language, and this language wouldn't be useful maybe for anybody else in the world. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. right, so um, I'm coming up with this language that captures, when I think about me and my absolute highest self, then what's true? Who am I? Well, I am integrity. I am service. I am free living. I am celebration. I am master. I am spontaneity. Spontaneity. I am celebration. I am uh, peace, genius. I am boldness, and it goes on. I am instantly and inextricably connected to all that exists across space-time. My soul and I reside and abide in the realm of uncertainty and surrender to it. I am the entire universe pretending to be human, and it goes on and on. All right. And, and what happens, the reason I so, and every one of them is truly meaningful to me. There's like there, months, years, this has been an evolution. There is no fat on that. That is as lean as it gets. Right. It's just, it's like neutron star density statements for me of truth of who am I when I'm at my best. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. right? When I am my best. So the reason I have them is because I don't want, one of the biggest lessons we've learned that doesn't serve us, right? Is putting time in between us now and who we want to be with the belief that it's going to take this gradual, like incremental, maybe not quantum leap level, you know, a evolutionary process for me to become that amazing person. Really? Oh, really? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe we could open up to the possibility that you could be that person like in this second. You could just declare that you could be that person now. And then, you, of course, you'll forget that. And you just, then you declare it again. Same thing with all in this. It's the same thing. It's to declare it. Have it be decide that this is who I am now. I am bonus. I am divine grace. Now, if you ask me, am I always acting as an expression of divine grace? <laughs> yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> and we'll have yet be the operative word. <clears throat> but I'm a heck of a lot closer today than I was, oh, 10 years ago. I'm a heck of a lot, a lot closer than I was a year ago, and I'm closer than I was yesterday. Because I'm speaking my way into that truth. Mm -hmm. so I create these, this beautiful list. I love reading other people's. Do you know Gary Mahler? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. He, he, if somebody has not heard of Gary, I highly recommend they watch or listen to that episode of your podcast. It was just magnificent. Unbelievable. His is the, one of the top three most powerful IMs list that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got goosebumps listening to him talk about those. It was. It's good to listen. Awful. So I'm so happy Steve uh, Hardison shared his with me. And because I love listening to, even though that's not language I would use. And I wouldn't use, I actually did steal a little bit from Gary, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. In fact, it was the last one, which is. Well, I, I think, yeah, I think what you're bringing up is so important because each person needs to create their own unique list yes. of how they are at their best, how they yeah. want to be at their best. And I like that because while we think of it as being aspirational, it, it also, I like what you just said about the fact that we can speak ourselves into that place, even as we know in a given moment, we aren't being that. But you can't, I choose to be it in this moment. So when I listen to these, I've got them recorded too, right? I am divine grace. Right? And, I, and I listen to this. I, am, this is perfect. I need to put this into my neural network. I am right. right. I need to burn that, to have that become my truth now. As I listen to that, I am that now. It's not, it doesn't say, one day I hope to be. It doesn't even say, I'm becoming. No. I am infinite integrity now. I am my word now. Now, will that stay true? Uh, at some point, some of these are constantly true. I am celebration. Yes, pretty much. That's well, we're locked in on that one. <laughs> but I think that you have such feeling, like you said, every one of them is meaningful to you. So whether somebody has three or five or ten or whatever number. It's getting that identity of who you see yourself being at your best. I just, 
I think that's extremely powerful. And I'd like to encourage my listeners to do a couple of things. One is think about what I am statements can you create, but also listen to this episode multiple times because Chris, you've shared so many thought provoking ideas and wisdom that I, I'm, I'm enriched just by our conversation. So oh, thank so, you. That's such a beautiful thing to say, Meredith. And I just thank you so much for inviting me into this conversation as an opportunity to serve. That's great. Well, we're two people that love to serve. So it was bound to be a great chemistry, which it was. So what I would like to ask you to do now is have people share or you share with people, how can they sign up for your daily dose, which I highly recommend and your podcast and your, your two books and tell us about your third one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Here you go. You're so good. Uh, yeah. So the easiest way to, to get on the daily dose, I don't know if we talk too much about it, but it's like, it's called that the daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less. So if, when you sign up for that, what happens is it's 6 a.m., right around 6 a.m., wherever you are in the world, provided that you sign up when you're in your time, home time zone, then you're going to get some little nugget. Some and they're great. I've had them every day for months, and I just love them. I look forward to it every day. So here's an example of one. What do mental toughness and service have in common? Mentally tough people understand that there's no such thing as success if it doesn't involve on some level service to others. Isn't that interesting that that's the one of 365 of them that I opened up to randomly? <laughs> Just like that phone call dropping so Steve could have. Yeah, that's, I, by the way, I told him that. Uh, years later, he never knew that the call dropped for him to get that because I would not have answered. I wouldn't have answered the phone call. I would have just left him leave a message. I asked him, would you have left one? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, a call dropped. Isn't that amazing? He goes, Chris, I see that every day. It's God at work, was his response. I call it synchronicity. He had the intention, the vibration, made the call drop for this magical event to occur. Very interesting. So anyway, uh, if you go to ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists, L-I-S-T-S, then you can put your name and your email, and in one click you'll get on both the Daily Dose as well as you'll then get notified of all of my Tough Talks um, podcast interviews as well as my um, weekly blogs. I do blogs twice a week. So you get all that there. And the books are on my site. The third book is I just last week finished the manuscript. So we are searching. I have a very hopeful for – you know what? Delete that. I'm not hopeful. I'm getting all in. Declare. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> this publisher will take it. I'm not going to say their name out of respect, but, I, you know, put the heat on. <laughs> but it's, it's going to be done. It's an amazing story of my very first trip to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, where I created unprecedented levels of suffering for myself with really, really tragic thinking and desperation and loneliness that's a real big distinction like the big distinction from this story is that loneliness is the absence of the other aloneness is the presence of one's self so what i did was i, I spent a week exploring my loneliness and ultimately discovering my aloneness so the beginning of the book is the story which is a crazy story very juicy uh <laughs> and it took me a while to get the courage to actually share it because it's pretty transparent 
and I'm pretty desperate. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun, juicy story of a dude acting desperately and creating all kinds of suffering, uh, fundamentally entertaining the illusion of the separate self, which is the basis of all human suffering. And then, then there are 16 massive life lessons that came from that one week in Cabo that I write on. So he's a life lesson. And at the end of each chapter, it says summarize of like, what's the lesson, right? And then what is the practice to grow from it? And then what are some mantras to help you do that? So this is cool. This is going to be a good one. Oh, yes. I'm excited about reading that. Thank you. And I'm sure people will be able to find it on Amazon. You will. You can. I'll just speak into the future. It's on Amazon. <laughs> and it's on my website. Oh, yep. And, and I don't know the title yet, though. At the time of this recording, it'll have the word Kabbalah. Okay, very good. So Christopher Doris, and that's D-O-R-R-I-S dot com is your website, and people can go there to learn more about you. And um, and I highly recommend signing up for both the podcast. And I already subscribed to your podcast on my phone, so I just love listening to those episodes. They're very inspiring and energizing. Mm. Bring on great guests, and your solo ones are just wonderful too so oh you're so you. gracious thank you Meredith. well chris this has just been delightful um and more than that just enriching is the better word you you really are a person of magnificent service and i love how you show up in the world and how you showed up here to be of great service to my listeners so thank you you rock thanks Meredith, so much it's so sweet my pleasure Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. Make it a great day.